Well, hello, kids, and welcome to season two and episode number 19 of the Eager Beaver podcast, a podcast providing incisive commentary on Canadian politics and general culture. Today, recording day is February 10th, 2022, and it's a Thursday. And well, we have a very special episode for you because, uh, well, we have a returning guest, our first returning guest, uh, Bert Chen, who uh, is, uh, well, well, at the time we interviewed him, was the uh, member of the National Council of the Progressive, uh, not the Progressive, but the Conservative Party of Canada. And given the fact that uh, Mr. O'Toole is no longer the leader, we thought we would have him in and talk politics and uh, talk leadership race and talk what's happened to him in the meantime. So uh, this episode is specifically about uh, the Conservative Party of Canada and the departure of O'Toole. So kids, I hope you enjoy this little twist on our usual hor- format, because here we go. Hi, and thanks for staying with us. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Remember last week when I asked you what you would say is a political junkie's favorite thing? Was that last week? I don't know. (laughs) I've only slept about three hours a night for the last 10 days. So uh, last week, last month, I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, yes. And you had replied election season. Oh, right. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, we got a late Christmas present because suddenly not only do we have a provincial election in Ontario on June 2nd and one in Quebec on October 3rd, but we also have a leadership race. Oh, this is so much fun. Groundhog Day was indeed Groundhog Day for the Conservative Party of Canada because for the second time in a few years, it unceremoniously dumped its leader following a federal election loss to one named Justin Trudeau, who apparently wasn't ready, but has seen the back of three conservative leaders. (laughs) By a secret ballot, vote of 73 to 45, the caucus of the Conservative Party of Canada removed the fig leaf of pretense that it is both a grassroots and big tent party by using photoshopped Lou Ferrigno legs to kick O'Toole to the curb. In a real grassroots party, O'Toole would have been granted the early leadership review he had requested, would have been thrown to the party membership, and it would have fixed his little blue wagon. Or not. But caucus decided it would overrule party membership and make that decision for it. And in a real big tent party, 61% of caucus would never be allowed to unilaterally overturn the vote of membership in such a way to make it clear that moderates are not welcome. This is the purge for which has been waiting for the own the libs all the time faction that wishes the Conservative Party of Canada to officially be nothing other than a buku bucks raising ideologically incestuous circle jerk. Hilariously, not more than 10 minutes after it was announced that Aaron had gone from O'Toole to no tool, someone who unsurprisingly didn't win the interim leadership position was already on Twitter seeking it. Oh, bad form, dude. Uh, I'm just saying that there's a line between political bloodthirst and political bloodlust between thirsty and parched. <laughs> All right. It's just like, 
10 minutes, my word, let the blood coagulate. Um, now, <laughs> while the writing has been on the wall for O'Toole since before the writ was dropped, we've stated on the show that anything short of a victory meant he'd be done. It was still rather impressive how quickly and efficiently the final downslide took place. In fact, it's been the freaking backstabbing Olympics at the CBC headquarters. <laughs> it all started with a ridiculous video meme put out on the first day of the winter. The temperature had dropped below minus 30 with wind chill, in which O'Toole was doing that stand-up used car salesman comedian. Can you believe this guy? Shtick yammering something about there being no gas one day because of Trudeau. Anyway, whatever. That didn't go over well. Then, when Quebec Premier Legault dangled his unvaxxed tax, uh, Pierre Poiliev stepped right up to set party policy before O'Toole could even be asked. That's never a good sign. This led to MP Mark Strahl taking the knife from Poiliev and plunging it back into O'Toole with a tweet. Thank you, Pierre Poiliev, for your decisive leadership. Strahl, who is known to be close to Scheer, was left out of a critic's role after having questioned vaccine mandates when O'Toole formed his what they call shadow cabinet, which is not a thing. Mm -hmm. Taking down party leaders appears to be a family thing with the Strahls. Years ago, his father, Chuck, who I'm sure... Chuck Strahl, that's the name you'll remember, oh, yes. who was also an MP, was a key player in the downfall of then-leader Stockwell Day. Then, it was decided that the Conservative Party of Canada report into what wrong... Sorry, let me try that again. Then it was decided that the Conservative Party of Canada report into what went wrong during the last election would not be distributed to the whole party, but reserved only for a select few with a briefing to be given to everybody else because the party has a lot to hide. Um, that didn't go over well. <laughs> that was Marilyn Gladue's turn to pop up for a revenge stab. <laughs> Remember, she was the one that was slapped on the snout by O'Toole with a rolled up newspaper when she let it slip. She wanted to start a so-called civil liberties caucus. Well, I'm a details person. <laughs> 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 I'm, sorry. I'm sorry i'm sorry so i want to see a complete review said she over the sounds of chops being licked well uh i want to hear what he thinks went wrong in our campaign in terms of policy in terms of how we conducted ourselves and what our plans going forward so we can win the next time i bet you did marilyn especially the part about what were the plans going forward to catapult a tool out of the leadership so that they can win the next time <laughs> of course, the report didn't have all that much to say about Aaron's flip-flops, but rather suggested he had been overcoached. Let's be trenchant here for a moment, kids. If you are running for prime minister and are overcoached, that means you have no freaking clue who you are. And thus, you should not be a candidate. I mean, just let's call a thing a thing here. Then came the final flip-flop. The final flip-flop, during which he went from not thinking it was the leader of the official opposition's role to meet with protesters, agitators, occupiers, or what well, at that time, who knows where they were, what we call them then, it's kind of evolved, to announcing he was going to meet with them, but not those protesters, these protesters, but then he was acting embarrassed to be meeting with these protesters who were not those protesters. So he set the meeting point somewhere outside of town. You know, it's like when you noticed you've been going on a date with someone like for three months and they've never introduced you to any of their friends and they're always want to stay at home. 
Mm, no, but sure. That's mm. never happened to me. They just don't. They just like, oh, you don't know. Want to go out tonight? No, no, no. Let's just stay in. <clears throat> and yeah, they don't want to be seen with you. Um, <laughs> it was the most socially awkward game of political political footsie ever. And as you know, kids, I live for the awkward moment. <laughs> then came the panic period in which O'Toole tried to show strength by saying he was going nowhere and clumsily tried to frame the vote to come as being stand with me or stand with the pro-conversion therapy people. <sighs> Not how to make, make, make friends and influence people. Uh, which was Mr. Conversion Therapy 2020, 2021, and 2022. MP Garnet Genuous is cue to get his revenge in for having been shipped to Latvia as the measure to ban it passed. This execution was a political murder on the Orient Express. Everybody got a chance to sing on the knife for a stab. A too brute. <laughs> <laughs> a gothic Christ, he would be so proud. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pierre Poliev made a big show on Twitter of thanking O'Toole for his leadership as he pulled the knife out from between his shoulder blades and handed it to Stephen Harper, who also made a show of publicly thanking O'Toole as he took the knife from Poliev, wiped off the blood and prints, framed the weapon, and put it on the wall over the fireplace. So, of course, it was to the surprise of absolutely nobody that the national hemorrhoid known as Pierre officially threw his hat into the race to become the corruption party of Canada's leader. Except, except, except he said, I'm running to become prime minister of Canada. I'm running to be prime minister of Canada, which would make him the very first in Canadian history. Indeed. And you got, you, you know what? You just, you got right there just before I did. Oh, I'm sorry. sure he'll be signing the nomination papers with the blood from the knife he pulled out of O'Toole's back. But whoops, as you said, correction, Pepe Le Pew did not throw his hat into the ring to become the next leader of the Corruption Party of Canada. Oh, no. But rather to become the next prime minister. Seems like someone missed a step. Uh, just, just. Just a little one. Little step. He put out a video. Uh, the hands are creepy, especially in the first 45 seconds. Uh, the smile, the two times he flashed it was a little weird, especially the second one. Give me a little Chucky. Actually. Like, who are the comms uh, people that are coaching these guys? I just don't know. It's Blink just, twice uh, if you're a hostage, the, Pierre. <laughs> oh, mm, but the message is going to rope in a lot of suckers. Yep. Yes, uh, this yes. one, yeah. this one, people, kids, no matter how much of an idiot we think he him to be, is very dangerous. He's, he's well-liked among his peers, and he's both a good fundraiser and a tireless organizer. Because he is determined. Okay, he's like, he's, he, there's no doubt, right? Like we've known this, like, since he appeared on the scene all those years ago as a, like, you know, 25 year old, like this, we knew this is where he was going. Like this, the man who stated that, all the steps. that a career in politics should not be a lifeline thing has only ever worked in politics. So that rule is for thee, not for me, right? <laughs> His determination is not to be underestimated. He will literally say anything, look, and he will look sound somewhat mm-hmm. reasonable to low information informers, voters doing it. It'll be interesting to see whether or not he goes through with it. After all, it is easy to pump up your chest and declare that you're running before the nomination criteria is issued and the official writ is dropped. After all, 
He also does have an Elections Canada compliance order in his past from having knowingly circumvented the prohibition on contributions to a registered party by ineligible contributors. However, instantly anointing yourself as the next prime minister to preframe the entire discussion as if you are not only the inevitable next leader of the party, but of the nation is an interesting intimidation tactic if one wanted to discourage other people from entering the race. This is indeed a power play. Announcing before the committee to set the criteria, entry fee and signature thresholds, etc., has even met. Says that he's got the financial backing and human capital required to meet any bar, no matter how high set. In addition, 10 sitting MPs are already openly declared as endorsing him. That doesn't hurt. However, the double-edged sword of the double edge of that sword is that if one is going to jump in when there is maximum runway before the registration period is even open, one had better have the most prepared, most professional, most organized campaign out there because when one self-anoints as the next prime minister, if one does not campaign as if one were the prime minister, it starts to look real bad, real fast. It seems that it's not predestined that Poliev is unbeatable. Following O'Toole's ouster as leader, deputy leader Candace Bergen was elevated to the position of interim leader. Now, as we've mentioned previously, Kits, this character loves the spotlight and she had a platform as deputy leader, but now she's got a big one and she's a straight up MAGA hat wearing nut bar who will generate a lot of stupidity and she's already gotten started. Bergen, who a few days earlier had posted pictures herself out for dinner with some of the agitators, rose in the House of Commons on her first day as interim leader to ask of Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland. Where's the olive branch? Because Canadians are looking for an olive branch. And I appreciate the olive branch. She just extended to me right now. And I think that's what Canadians are looking for. The government doesn't have to agree. They don't have to even like the protesters and the trucks that are parked outside, but they need to provide a solution. So could they please tell Canadians what the solution is to get past this impasse? Now, we'll get into this more later in the next block, but the short answer for now is the prime minister doesn't have to do shit. The Nazi and Confederate flags showed up. The swastikas showed up. Yeah. The few good people who might have been there at the onset... They knew to leave when the Nazis showed up. They're not there to meet or negotiate with anymore. That Nazis and to assume the best of the people there rather than the worst, people who don't know enough to leave when Nazis appear, show up with a demand. It in no way obligates the government of Canada, regardless of party in power at the time, to offer anything whatsoever. You don't get a cookie just because you show up and demand one. The Conservative Party of Canada projects strength, but truth is you guys would have caved in three freaking seconds. Yep. And the other thing, why would the Conservative Party of Canada want a COVID-positive prime minister who's busy caring for his two kids who are also COVID-positive to meet with people who are supposedly on their side? Do they just really love spreading this COVID around thing or whose side are they on exactly? Why were they trying to infect the protesters? Prime Minister must meet them now. He's COVID positive. 
Yeah, COVID's fake, according to them. The fact that the party is sending all the signs it wishes to formally proudly take that one step to the hard right was too much for Nunavut conservative Senator Dennis Patterson, who posted on Facebook. I wholeheartedly and unreservedly deplore and denounce what is happening in Ottawa with the so-called freedom convoy right now. Let me be clear. If you wrap yourself in or go about waving a Nazi or Confederate flag, you are declaring yourself a person who embraces hate, bigotry, and racism. If you are okay with dancing on or desecrating the tomb of the unknown soldier, you're telling me that you have no respect for those that paid the ultimate sacrifice, that you could have the freedom to drive across the country and protest your government. Nothing a person like that has to say is anything I'm interested in hearing and nothing I respect. And if you are parking illegally and blockading a public road, interfering with ordinary citizens' right to live their lives and peacefully go about their businesses on Parliament Hill... And downtown, you were showing contempt for the law, which is also intolerable. I believe we have a progressive conservative senator. Yes, we do. Yes. The senator remains a member of the party, but has removed himself from caucus. Good for that him. It's to me that there's a split coming. A big one. And in further signs of a split, all signs point to an external to current caucus candidate, one with big enough name recognition to not make this a cakewalk for the hard right faction of the CPC to win. First, upon being dismissed, O'Toole released a video with his, oh, how would you say, parting thoughts about the party he no longer led. Well, blow me down and slap me across the face with a limp O'Toole, but one would have sworn that he had just announced he was running for the leadership of the new Progressive Conservative Party of Canada. Problem is, he's been every woman that he certainly would not be a credible leader for such a party. <laughs> it's just, just O'Toole claimed he would remain with the party and throw his support fully behind the next leader. But let's see if he, Senator Patterson, and the 45 MPs who voted for O'Toole to stay still feel that way once it's clear who the next leader will be. In a huge party unity move, Sark font. One of Bergen's first actions was to quickly evacuate all Quebec MPs from the inner circle of the party, keeping only the party's Quebec quarterback, Alain Reyes, because, I mean, you kind of can't kick the Quebecer out of the Quebec quarterback position now, can you? I don't think so. Reyes, not wanting to have any part of the hot mess coming, graciously declined the position, claiming he was planning to work on the leadership campaign of a yet unidentified candidate who most definitely and assuredly was not Pierre Poiliev, a fact driven home by the fact Reyes himself made a point of saying it would be a progressive candidate. In what is totally unrelated news, I am sure word on the tweet is that Jean Charest's phone has been ringing off the hook. <clears throat> His would be a name big enough to lead a breakaway faction into a new party should the hostile takeover of the CPC in place be successful. If that needed to be the case, would O'Toole bolt to sit as the first member of the new Progressive Conservative Party of Canada, much like Karelios in Ontario formed the new blue, just separated and says, yeah, I'm a new party now. There are certainly enough blue liberals like John Manley and Lloyd Axworthy and true PCs like Shareb, Bernard Lord, James Moore, Lisa Raitt, and heck, even Kim Campbell around to give such an initiative some credibility. 
if such a name does not enter to make this a battle for the soul of the mainstream, whatever that means in 2022, Canadian conservative movement, then the race question will be coronation or consensus anyone but Pierre Poliev candidate. Because right now it seems there's no way in hell that the Conservative Party of Canada is going to select a moderate leader, which means that on the far right of the political spectrum, Canadians will now have three parties, the Maverick Party, who organized this week's hydroxy hop in Ottawa, the QPPC and the CPC fighting for the same voters and donations, thus leaving a wide lane, wide enough for an 18-wheeler <laughs> or a center-right party if one announced one very soon. I don't know if that one was too soon. Somebody had better step up because the liberals will lose an election someday. And given the NDP can't seem to get its act together to push the conservatives out of the way to become at least the number two party, one of the three wackadoodle conservative options now available just can no longer be allowed to remain as our natural chains option because that kits would be a very, very bad deal long-term for fundamental democracy. We'll be back. Well, hello, friends. It's your good buddy, Mr. Grizzly. And, uh, and Mr. Beaver. Mr. Beaver's joining me. And, uh, well, today, we're hoping you can give us a hand, a hand up or a handout or a help up. I don't know. You pick the verbiage that best suits your ideal. Here's the thing. We incur a lot of costs while we're doing this. Uh, I've invested a few thousand dollars on new equipment. And to be honest with you, I have no problem with it. But It'd be nice if we could recoup a little bit of that because, you know, I'm not wealthy. <laughs> Far from it. So if you guys and gals and they and them like what we're doing and you want to help us out, it'd be awesome if you could go to our coffee page, toss us a couple of bucks. Mr. Beaver. Yeah. Um, we love doing this. Clearly, we have a good time doing it. And yeah. uh, as the show is getting bigger and we're getting more feedback and participation uh, from you kids, uh, it makes our day and it gives us uh, motivation uh, to work harder and uh, come up with uh, great interview guests. We definitely have some lined up. Oh, yeah. Uh, normally, we keep up a surprise, but should we just give some teasers? Give them the teasers, brother. Yeah, uh, we've been talking to Cindy Blackstock. We're trying to set a date. Uh, we're trying to set a date with uh, Francis Hordelski, who used to be the chief anchor at uh, the Business News Network. So we can have some uh, talk about economics. Uh, we uh, tried to get uh, uh, polling analysis and political analysis, Evan Scrimshaw. Uh, so we're waiting to hear from him as well. Uh, we have uh, Murray Billet, uh, who was uh, who was a big activist uh, in terms of the. Uh, gay rights and uh, bringing about uh, the recognition of uh, gays and lesbians in the charter uh, way back in the day. So uh, we have some uh, interesting guests uh, lined up for you and uh, we're going to try to get uh, uh, David uh, Mosscrop back because uh, there's an election coming and well, <laughs> we like <laughs> his views are always interesting <laughs> well that and and also the fact that um he's got some interesting takes on this current situation that he's living through as well because he doesn't live too far from me i don't like i know the general vicinity of where he resides and it and, and he's close to the action that i'm in the middle of so take it from mr grizzly blue jacket guy we really would like to hear from you. We really would. We really could use a couple of bucks from you. Whatever you can spare, 
I'm not asking for anything big. If you can help us out, that's wonderful. And we appreciate it. And we really appreciate the fact that you listen in and provide commentary. Thanks. Hello, kids. And uh, we are very, very, very excited to have our first ever return guest uh, <laughs> on our <laughs> True North Eager Beaver podcasts. Uh, and a very uh, timely... Uh, <laughs> applause applause uh, uh we, we 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 very much uh enjoy this gentleman uh we enjoyed our first chat and uh, we sure we're gonna have a wonderful chat again uh but there's been a lot of happenings so without any further ado uh former or still national council member bert chen uh it is former at this point Oh, bummer, dude. Oh. Well, well it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a little disappointing that obviously uh, at first I was suspended, but also just uh, as, as things have progressed in this pandemic, um, I did uh, step away from council because I actually moved away from the Ottawa area oh. and began, oh. began a new career in the beginning of uh, this year. And uh, which required me to just uh, spend uh, all my time out in Western Canada now. Oh, well, then you're new you. Good for you. Uh, well, thanks. What you doing? But, if you don't mind asking. Oh, no, of course. So uh, unlike, uh, unlike uh, most conservatives, I do believe in uh, climate change. And uh, I actually work in a renewable energy industry. And I started uh, a role as a uh, consultant. See, see, we're, tell we're, us more, tell us more, tell us more. We're getting closer together well, all the time, man. <laughs> tell us more. <laughs> well, no, it, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, I've always uh, worked in the technical field uh, on the financial side. But uh, this was an opportunity that uh, stayed uh, to my original, um, uh, to my original career. Uh, but it's just a new role for a new company and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of boring stuff, but, uh, definitely at the forefront of renewable energy and climate change. And what does the company do? Oh, uh, we're a consulting company in the end and, uh, we offer kind of a full suite of technical and, uh, also uh, due diligence services. I'm happy for you. That's a good way to I'm land. very happy for you too, man. Well, like seriously. Well, thanks. I, I'll, uh, I'll admit I do miss Ottawa, but uh, I think it's a little timely that I'm not there right now. <laughs> Dude, you picked the perfect time to leave. <laughs> a good buddy of mine the other day. Let's just say if the door closed, the window opened at just the right time. <laughs> Seriously. A buddy of mine the other day sends me a message, text message. He goes, hey, how's it going? And I go, what, are you getting any sleep? He goes, dude, I'm on vacation. I'm in Paris. I'm like, oh, you son of a. And he lives even closer to it than I do. I'm I'm 450 meters away from the crap. I can still hear it. Well, I can't hear it now because you know Zexy Lee shut that down. But um, he he would have been about 50 meters from it. In, mm-hmm. in other words, he he would have not have slept. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm in Paris. Sends me a photo. He's on a cafe having a pint somewhere. I'm like, oh, you son of a good good. Mm-hmm. good. Like talk about a serendipitous choice to take a vacation at this time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Wow. wow. Okay. So, um, to say that a lot has happened <laughs> would be a bit of an understatement. Uh, but before we go into like the downfall, uh, there was something about what was going on before that kind of stuck in our craw. 
And we could not help but notice uh, that Mr. O'Toole seemed to have it in for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Seemed to have it in for Marilyn Gladue. Seemed to have it in for Shannon Stubbs, I believe. Seemed to have it in. Oh, there was one other person I can't remember. Denise Batters. Denise Batters, yes. But did not have it in for Senator McDonald. And there was another person, like a second senator, I believe. Uh, and the two people for whom he didn't have it in shared certain characteristics and the people for whom we mm. seem to have it in shared other characteristics. We just, the left people and left side of us couldn't help but notice. And I'm just wondering if you maybe noticed that too. You know, you bring it up now and uh, I'll admit I didn't notice it. Uh, I will say there was still a, a line between uh, what myself, Senator Batters, and uh, what uh, Shannon Stumps had done in particular mm-hmm. is that we were more vocal and uh, seemingly encouraging others uh, to to voice their opinions about why Mr. O'Toole's leadership was just so untenable. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and you know, in regards to Senator McDonald, I think he he was also an earlier one, and uh, for for the most part. Uh, from what I understand, his email was sent to caucus internally. Okay. And, uh, and those details were leaked, but he didn't speak out in front of media. Uh, I think what, uh, what what Mr. O'Toole did in our, in our, uh, in our, I think arguments that his leadership was poor was he tried to demonstrate leadership by mm-hmm. going after those that would publicly uh, challenge him, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, rather than rather than those who may who may have done it behind closed doors. And that that also happened with the formation of the inner circle and the distribution of the critics' roles as well. Mm. Uh, I think so, uh, but clearly, uh, you know, towards the end, as, you, as it was obvious, um, you know, Garner Genuous was uh, one of yeah. the MPs that was most vocal, and uh, you know, he 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 did get his uh, he did get his uh, critic role, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously, it proved that um, it obviously it proved that uh, you know that's were- a, that's not enough to buy the silence and loyalty uh, well- forever. Yeah, but the thing is that they removed the human rights critic from his role this time around, so I'm sure he wasn't happy about that either. Uh, I noticed I, that when I compared the title from last time to the title this time, that one thing was missing. <laughs> uh, I actually I actually didn't notice. Um, I know, obviously, a lot of people moved around, um, and there did seem, seem to be a strategy from what I heard of trying to placate those that um, may not have voiced their public opposition to O'Toole's leadership mm-hmm. um, and in an effort to try to uh, uh, buy a little bit, buy a little bit of loyalty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now um, we also noticed because of course it was in the press that uh, they were particularly vicious with you mm-hmm. uh, sending for those of us who are particular political junkies, the name Arthur Hamilton does ring a bell, mm-hmm. uh, but they sent lawyer Arthur Hamilton after you and were asking for your personal communications. Yes. I think that was the first misstep by O'Toole's team 
and uh, some of his loyalists on national council. His, his first uh, very obvious misstep. Um, and I'll be honest, uh, Arthur, uh, I, I don't think Arthur Hamilton wrote that letter. Okay. Mm. I, uh, the letter was poorly written, and uh, mm. it's it, uh, reeked of someone else's hand uh, that was seemingly trying to do a favor for for uh, the leader, but uh, overstepped. And uh, you know, once once it was leaked to others, uh, and you know, for no for no actions of my own, uh, it really felt that. Uh, you know, the public sentiment had turned against him and uh, in the way that he was handling this. Now, did, was the letter and the blowback enough to make it stop or did they actually pursue trying to get those communications? Oh, so, so when, um, I think it was uh, Alex Boutillier from, from uh, uh, Global that uh, broke the news. Um, and again, I have no idea how he got a copy of the letter asking uh, to, to, uh, to the depths of the privacy breaches that they were looking for. Uh, when that broke, uh, several others who were uh, supportive of O'Toole, of O'Toole uh, reached out to me and said, uh, yeah, no, they, uh, this is an overstep, and um, you know, now he has to go. Wow. So nobody actually came and knocking and asking for anything? Well, they tried, um, and you know, and uh, my my own legal counsel, uh, which I've retained at my own expense, uh, replied and said, "No, Shit. this is this is outrageous." And of course, in their investigation, they did go through the emails uh, through my official uh, account with Conservative Party, but uh, we're not able to get any uh, uh, private correspondence. So, like, I, I have to ask, this, and feel free to not answer this if you don't want to. How, how, how did you deal with this emotionally? Because you were thrust into the spotlight really quickly, uh, and 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 quite literally for doing your job. So all of a sudden they want to comb through your life with a fine tooth comb and try and find some dirt. And you know, how, like how did that affect you emotionally? Because I know myself. I go one of two ways, right? It's either mm-hmm. I get really defensive or I'm like, uh, just here, here, it's an open book, read it, read it. I've got nothing to hide. A- and then you just brush it off and move on. Not everybody's capable of that. And, and I like genuinely when I, 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 I felt for you when I was reading all of this, I'm like, this is a man I've spoken to and I've, we're, we haven't met face to face, right? But, but when you have a chance to talk with someone Mm-hmm. you get a vibe of, on, on, on who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a good person and I know this probably affected you uh, on a personal level because how could it not? So I was like genuinely concerned for your emotional welfare. So answer it, don't answer it. It's entirely up to you, but I just want you to know that I was worried about you yep. and I hope you're okay well, with all of this. Well, you know, I mean, we're humans, right? We're still people at the heart of this and, and, and I know you're a good person. So... I get upset when I see good people uh, uh, being harmed, yep. and and it you know it's not like you you didn't bring harm upon yourself. You were yeah. doing your job. Yeah. Well, well thanks. Uh, well, that's exactly it. Um, obviously, emotionally, it was uh, it, it was tough. Uh, it's not uh, easy being in the spotlight. Uh, you know, I'm not someone who actually seeks it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can relate. 
And dur- during this time, you know, whether, whether it's for yourselves, uh, people that I spoke to to get my story out there, uh, or just others who came along, uh, you know, I've, I think uh, I've made some really good friends uh, during this process as well that uh, I didn't know before, mm-hmm. who were very supportive and uh, just uh, giving me encouragement uh, during these times. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of share the genesis of, of why I went public with what I did. Yes, and, uh, you know, it's been a few months since our, since our first chat. But when, when you're trying to do your job, mm-hmm. in this case, as an elected director that's meant to be a uh, arm's length, um, uh, an arm's length supervisory body, like if you're on the board of directors, and you get elected there because of the shareholders of a company mm-hmm. and the CEO is doing something that is one jeopardizing the company. In this case, uh, Aaron O'Toole is, is jeopardizing conservative brand and, and is clearly showing poor leadership and you speak out and you do so knowing that you're representing a large component of those who elected you mm-hmm. And you're just doing your job for much of the past year. Uh, it was clear. And, and for those who follow conservative national council politics closely, it was clear that there were, there were emerging factions within national council. Mm-hmm. Those from the large provinces of Ontario um, and British Columbia, which uh, I would say, have the bulk of the conservative party's members. And those are the small provinces uh, where there were very diverging viewpoints about how to deal with certain things. Mm-hmm. And it was clear that in British Columbia and Ontario, where the conservative party suffered the most in the last election, mm-hmm. um, yes. that uh, our views weren't being heard. And I, I spoke out because I was no longer being able to, I was no longer able to continue to be effective because my colleagues were not were preventing me from fulfilling my job. Well, that's that's. You, do you, would you care to share Damn. some like ways? Oh, uh, again, we won't have to delve into the uh, super minutia, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, nice. yeah. When you when you sit on a when you sit on a board and you bring forward your ideas, you do so with respect and professionalism, yeah. and you expect you expect some form of just reciprocation in terms of, in terms mm-hmm. of respect as a human being. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are, there are those on national council that uh, do not offer even the modicum of respect and, uh, and absolutely do not, um, do not uh, accept any diverging viewpoints mm-hmm. as even just decent human beings. And uh, I think that's part of the toxic culture of why well, not just on uh, what I've sat, sat through on national council, the conservative party but politics in general, mm-hmm. uh, you genuinely have some people uh, who, who have, uh, you know, toxic behavior and talk and toxic mindsets. So there's a part of me that's going like, I'm not surprised to hear this at all. I do know better, and I, I, I have friends on the Hill and, and friends involved in politics, but it's still, at the same token, when I hear it, it's still, 
you know, from somebody who's on the inside, it's still a little shocking to hear at the same time. Even though I know it's a real thing, you don't always get uh, the straight goods, right? Like, you're, mm-hmm. you were there. You, ex- you went through this. You experienced this. We don't, we don't always get that sort of commentary, whether it's on the news or a news magazine or, you know, a W5, whatever the case. We don't always get that sort of insight, so for you to come out and, and say that is still, you know, again, I know it, I accept it, I expect it, and yet it still kind of shocks me at the same time, right? Absolutely. I think it's it's the nature of politics uh, in that uh, the the party's brand, whether it's, uh, you know, manifested through policy mm-hmm. or through the actions of just members of its team, the brand is is uh, is to be upheld at all costs. And I think the Conservative Party now, and the, the reason I say this freely now is it's in a rare opportunity, uh, even further beyond past leadership races, where I think the Conservative movement as a whole is now looking deep within itself. Like, we clearly have some issues oh, yeah. uh, to have to resort to the Reform Act to, in the first time in Canadian history, to remove a party leader through such a mechanism. Mm-hmm. And we all know the reasons that brought us to it is there's a, there's, there's a flaw in our culture. Um, you know, we're doing some soul searching in terms of what do we believe in anymore? Uh, clearly there's different factions within the conservative party as there are within any party without question. And, and now is a, one of those rare opportunities to actually discuss it all. Right. Now, I do want to go there, but there's just, there's a question I have. I want to stay in this moment for a second because I'm, it's something I've wondered and you never get a chance to speak to someone who's from the inside. It's, could you, do you know why, or can you, when you're talking about branding, it just seems that the party is angry. It's an, angry party it seems looking from the outside i i don't know everything that goes in i'm sure there are great friendships and lots of great stuff but uh, i get 24 hour rage machine when i'm, mm-hmm. when I'm listening it's like, it's like and, and if you're saying that in as national council members i guess which I assume that you're all working towards the same goal. You might have different ideas on how you get there, but you're all working a single to not even be able to show someone else in the room, the minimum amount of respect that they should have by virtue of the fact that they're a living being breathing the same air. Mm-hmm. I, I, what is the, to me when everybody says, you know, when they do the reports and whatnot, and I was overcoached or, you know, or you know, like people love our policies, but it was communication that was wrong. It's like, it's the anger, the anger is mm-hmm. the problem. It really is. Uh, I think one, there, there is a, there is a recency bias. We, we do only notice what, is impactfully said on through the media. So you know, those are obviously the examples that, that stick in our minds. Uh, it has helped form the narrative of how the conservative party approaches uh, policy points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the emotion that they play with. Uh, you know, part of it is, is, is how the media narrative has been formed uh, Two, 
it's the issues. You know, uh, things aren't things aren't happy and rosy in this country currently. Mm-hmm. And as the opposition party is the one to point out, okay, well, inflation spinning out of control, like that's undeniable. Uh, you know, cost of living is going up, whether it's groceries or whatever. And these are legitimate issues. Exactly. And and regardless of your view on the pandemic or, or, uh, or all of that, people are frustrated with, with mandates uh, of locking things down and not being able to resume their normal life. And I think these are universally raw emotions, which only come out through, uh, through frustration and then get uh, get uh, magnified in the media to become anger. So that just seems to be the role of the opposition parties uh, right now, and the conservatives are obviously taking point on that. But I, I want to go back to, yeah. you know, to, to see where, why in politics we have this. Yes. And I was, you know, as things have opened up and with my new, uh, you know, my new pivot in my career, uh, I've had the chance to go down to the United States for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it struck me as I was speaking about politics uh, with, uh, with an American friend um, that in, in Canada, it very much seems to be the, the left of center parties that continue to say, oh, Canada is a great country. You know, we're a country of Trudeau strong and free all these happy things that are, that are idyllic and hold yeah. up this pedestal of what we imagine Canada to be. And it's, that's the, the dream, US, right? That's the dream. It's the right of center that says, Oh, America's, uh, you know, America's the home of the brave and all of these great things, you know, imagine the imagery of an Eagle, uh, <laughs> flying with a fluttering flag in the background, the stars and stripes, uh, it, 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 it speaks to this reversal of how that uh, dialogue goes. And in the U.S., it's, it's your left and far left that can use the America's broken, America's corrupt, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Well, in Canada, it's the right that says uh, Canada's broken, Canada needs things to be fixed. That's <laughs> it, that's a very astute observation because you're yes. like, like literally that's a bullseye. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, you've nailed it, right? Um, and, and I can't argue with it. It's it's the truth. It really, truly mm-hmm. is. Uh, <laughs> and and, and, and you, know, you can argue that oh, well, it's because right now we have a left, of, maybe a left of center prime minister of Justin Trudeau, and in the states uh, they had a Donald Trump. But even with the reversals of uh, of uh, p- parties being in power, it actually seems to be the case. Hmm. 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 So. I got to ponder that one. Sorry, go, what? I, I was just—I got to think about that one for a bit because, mm-hmm. sir, I'm it, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it back a little bit here for a moment or two. Uh, again, uh, I'm left leaning. That's no secret. But I voted I voted Green. I voted uh, NDP. I voted Liberal, and I voted Progressive Conservative many times in my in my life. And and I long for a Progressive Conservative Party uh, of of say Joe Clark or John Robarts. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, a progressive conservative party of Senator Hugh Siegel, who I think is no longer a senator, but you know, like somebody who actually uh, gives a darn about the populace and isn't just mm-hmm. concerned with with power and money, but actually wants to govern 
for the sake of making the country better. And, mm-hmm. and I know that there are a lot of progressive conservatives in this country that don't have that voice anymore. And, and I'm going to extend it and, and just throw this out there. Is that you? <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's not me. Uh, for me, you know, I, I served in politics because it was something that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And I did genuinely, I do genuinely care about uh, our country and, and this is a given the members that make up the conservative movement. Um, I'll, I'll say this and, and you know, you, you mentioned the con- progressive conservative party of the past with, with Hugh Siegel and Joe Clark. Uh, I think there is one at first an opportunity for the conservatives to show that compassionate, kinder side. And that is, uh, you know, that's best represented by someone like Leslie Lewis uh, you know, there may be issues that, uh, you know, aren't necessarily uh, the same priorities as with her and, and the rest of Canada. Okay, but good, I fair, think that fair. softer brand of conservatism of, uh, you know, we, we need to care about our society. We need to have a strong moral compass, um, you know, and, and deliver that message in a soft and compassionate way. Uh, does come through and exists in the modern conservative party. Uh, again, it, it gets a little uh, uh, it gets a little uh, tampered down compared to the magnified voices of, of the anger that you hear. Right. Uh, you bring up, you know, are there people out there like myself? And and I'll say this: it's uh, it's a little disappointing, and I, I think uh, it just brings out the nature of politics in our country. Mm-hmm. First of all, it, it is clear that being in opposition is not fun for anybody. Oh, goodness, mm-hmm. no. no. Uh, the nature of, of opposition parties are that they're obviously, they have very little power in our system, and uh, there's a lot of time spent tearing each other apart within the different factions. You saw with the liberals after 2000, and six uh, with their succession of leaders after Paul Martin. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think the NDP has done that uh, many, many times as well uh, before Jack Layton's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they, they've they've uh, learned to get along a bit better now. I think this speaks to what kind of people are attracted to politics while in opposition. Uh, you know, you have MPs who this is their career. I think the Conservative Party has, uh, whether it, whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage, has a lot of MPs who have made this a very long time career for themselves and have been MPs since a very young time. You know, Pierre Polyev uh, is, is an example himself, elected, I think, at age 24. And mm-hmm. I don't know how old he is now, He's but this has become his career. 44. Mm-hmm. And they're very good at it. Uh, and because it is their career, they, they know what they're doing when they perform well. But it gives them a mindset of, well, you know, I, I continue to fight because I win elections. I must win elections to continue to fight and continue to have my job. Mm-hmm. So they've lost, lost the plot, do you think? Lost the focus? Lost the... Uh the original uh, ideology. It's a bit of a self-perpetuating cycle. Okay. Mm. While you have, and this is this is I think more unique for for uh, 
for the opposition parties because uh, with governing parties on their way up and forming government, and you saw this with uh, Stephen Harper's uh, conservative party in the lead up to 2006, when they formed government is, is they were able to attract uh, people from private sector, the private sector or with strong credentials outside of politics uh, to form a cabinet. Mm-hmm. Some and, of them are friends of mine, believe uh, So again, the nature of opposition politics, you're attracting people who, who self-perpetuate and, and continuing to want to be politicians for the sake of being politicians as a career. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, being in opposition is tough. So what kind of people are attracted to uh, to want to engage in, in, such a, in such an exercise? You have people who are maybe motivated for the wrong reasons just mm. for the sake of uh, potentially gaining power and or two it's because there's something holding them true to what they believe and say well I, I see these beliefs reflected in me and I want to continue to advocate for that uh, and that's why I joined a political party mm-hmm. and, and you know and that's that's my case I think we're just seeing the and again for volunteer roles especially in, in, in opposition parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone's a masochist, basically. Well, your, to, your role was to, unpaid, uh, right? You, you uh, didn't get paid for your position. through all of this for, uh, for no remuneration. Yeah, but... When we you all have careers and families. Exactly. You know, you, your, your position was unpaid. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you, you weren't in this for personal gain. You were in this to try and make a difference. And that, mm-hmm. sir... That's a salute. I mean, I respect that. And, and, and again, even if we don't even see uh, ideologically the same politically speaking, you, you were in this for the right reasons. It was not for personal gain. There was no money. Everything you did was... You did the work of democracy. Yeah. Everything you did was of your own free time. Unpaid time. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that, that's got a lot of weight behind it. Well, thanks. Oh, no, thank you. I appre- Again, I, I, we're, we probably don't see eye to eye on a lot of political ideologies, but I will always respect someone who will put themselves out there like that and do it not for personal gain. You're doing it because you believe in it and you want to make a difference. And again, as we always say on the show, Mr. Beaver. Yes, democracy, democracy is something you do. And they are not all the same. No. <laughs> it's not true that they are all the same. <laughs> um, okay, so let's speak leadership race. Um, sure. Okay, uh, I am guessing from what you said earlier that you would like it if some a candidate, I suspect that she is going to enter, but let's not scoop her, Leslin Lewis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so... Okay. Uh, I, I think uh, let's go through the list. Uh, number well, one, Pierre Polyev's in the race. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think it, I think he is the presumptive favorite. He's obviously built a name for himself uh, during this time, and he is he is Mister Economy. Yes, and apparently he's very well liked and very organized. Uh, I think well liked is, uh, you know, it can be interpreted in different ways. I think, uh, uh, among those, okay, let's put it this way. Those who like him, like him a lot. Yes. Sure. Yes. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he. I wouldn't say he's well liked in the sense of of oh, everyone wants to be his friend or he wants to be everyone's friend and, and that. Uh, but he, he's well regarded. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, I've heard that Jean Charest's phone has been ringing off the hook. I've heard that as well. Um, I, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard from him or, or anyone affiliated with his team, but this, this was circulating in the last leadership race in 2020 as well. Okay. Um, so if we're like, and, and I've heard all on the radio, Tasha Carradine's name being mentioned as well. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, other than, and I know that, uh, the former Quebec Lieutenant Alain, Alain Reyes stepped down and said that he wanted to work at the organization of a yet unnamed candidate who would be more on the progressive side. Um, are there any other names? Do you think I, I don't like, I'm pretty sure there's no way Rona's Rona Ambrose is going to try again. I think she's very happy in no, her R- life. Rona's finished with mm-hmm. politics. Pretty she's, sure Peter McKay's happy in his life as well. I know Rona. She's a friend of mine. She's done with politics. She's finished. She's never coming back. <laughs> Everybody's begging her to come back. Yeah. I talked to her and she's like, no, I'm no, no, that's behind me. That, that life is behind me. She's in private sector. She's earning a very good living and she does not want to be in the spotlight anymore. It's done. She's finished with it. It's over. It's, she's never coming back. That's uh, pretty consistent with uh, my interpretation as well. Is there anybody else from in caucus that people I, say, I think we could go for it? I think Michelle Rempel Garner. Okay. I can see uh, that. Who, who'd be certainly on the, she, she's probably one of the most progressive uh, members of the conservative yeah. caucus. I would, yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I don't see eye to eye with her on many things, but, but she is, mm-hmm. yeah, she's the most progressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, she, she's one of the, one I, of I would them. say one of them, one uh, of them, yes. Michael Chong, who I personally support oh, in 2017. Yeah. Probably the most progressive. You're right. He's actually that. the most progressive. Actually, you're absolutely right. I apologize. He is very progressive. I like mm-hmm. that guy a lot. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, he, uh, knowing Michael as well, he, um, uh, you know, 2017 was uh, was a wake up call in in how he did. Is he definitely uh, brought in a lot of new members into the party, but uh, also sees that you know there the center of gravity in the conservative party that slider isn't uh, isn't progressive enough for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but he feels he. I mean, despite his views maybe being offside with the rest of his caucus colleagues, he's still very well regarded, respected. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes complete sense because uh, he he's a good human being, right? So mm-hmm. you know, if, and, it, a I, and an absolute gentleman. I mean, anybody say any bad word about Michael Chong ever? And if you keep exactly. politics that long, and nobody's ever said a crossword about you, you're doing something right. There's only one other exactly. former member of Parliament that I can think of that that was held in that same regard. And that was my, uh, former, uh, member of parliament. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, uh, uh Paul Dewar. Mm-hmm. Nobody, mm. nobody ever had a bad thing to say about Paul. Mm. You know, same thing with Michael Chong. I've not, some people are like, I don't necessarily agree with him, but everybody likes him. 
Mm-hmm. I think some Quebecers may disagree with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, because uh, <laughs> the reason why he 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 did uh, 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 name um, uh, make his name for himself, but uh, you're right. In in I think Anglophone Canada, uh, I've never met someone uh, who who has a negative word to say about Michael Chong. And that's something. There's something to be said about that in in politics in 2022, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to be universally. Uh, What's it? Could I use the word admired? Is that the right word, or is it liked? I, I, esteemed. Mm. Pardon? Esteemed? Esteemed? I think respected. Respected, yeah. definitely, without question. Yeah. There's, there's no, no question. Yeah, liked is uh, again. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's more subjective, right? Yeah. Well, no, you're, you're right. Right. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not everyone can like everyone. <laughs> Unfortunately, but you, but you are right. Game is played. Universally respected. Um, no question. Yes. Um, anybody else from Inside Caucus? Uh, let's see. Um, I I think you'll get the, uh, the there'll be some. I'll, I'll call them uh, sleeper hits. Okay. Yes. Because uh, you know they don't have a big profile outside of the conservative movement, even within uh, just because uh, you know they're they're not uh, for the limelight. But I think you'll see John Williamson. Okay. Yes. Uh, he's been around since the Harper days and has uh, lost in 2015, but came back in 19, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had uh, interest MP- in being the interim leader as well, I believe. Yes, he did. Yeah, you guys have been following closely, obviously. And he's uh, he. I think he represents a uh, well, one certainly Atlantic Canada, but two, he uh, he's uh, also I think a strong fiscal conservative. Okay. Um. But again, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't think I could pick him out of a lineup. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he has a. But I think he has a. I think he also has a, a positive reputation. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear the name and it's like, okay, well, here's someone that uh, I've, I've heard good things about. Unfortunately, he just doesn't have much of a profile in, in the Canadian public, where I, I'm not able to pick him out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. So, so. So I'm going to be really speculative here for a second. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that the current interim leader was put in that position so that there's, I mean, cause once you're interim leader, you can't become leader. Like that's it's mm-hmm. right. Is it possible that was done because she's a little bit too radical for a lot of individuals? I'm throwing it out there. I'm spitballing this completely an imagination on my part, like a complete thought mm-hmm. process. But would it be ridiculous to think that? I don't think so. Um, and here's the reason why she was, uh, why Candace uh, Byrne is and and was elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of the more longer serving members of the caucus at this point. Yep. Uh, I think uh, class of 0406. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, to she doesn't have the actual aspirations herself. Uh, that's that's become quite apparent um, in the lead up to all of this as well, where where uh, she played a senior role with with uh, the former leader Andrew Shearer as well, and was one of it's kind of one of the last uh, uh, Harper era ministers standing, other than Pierre mm-hmm. Polyev. Yeah, right. true. Uh, she's very aware of her of her limitations in French. Oh, well, that's, that's refreshing because I, mm-hmm. I didn't think she was, but no, that's refreshing. 
and and I think knows that without that uh, w- wouldn't uh, wouldn't be able to seek the uh, the permanent leadership. Mm-hmm. I also uh, have truckloads of dirt on her. as prime minister. So so she's she's very much competent in that regard. Uh, and amongst the other choices in caucus, again, and she uh, of those who who potentially further had the ring. Uh, she had the most experience and, and giving interim leader to someone like that. It, there's also the kind of uh, expectation afterwards that, well, well, you're probably, uh, you know, you're, you're probably not going to stay as MP forever either. Mm-hmm. So that all played in. She's well-respected by caucus uh, on the side of uh, those who supported Aaron O'Toole or, and uh, those who were his detractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's obvious and she's from Manitoba, uh, again, just geographically central, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you had a lot of uh, strong support for, for Aaron O'Toole in Manitoba from MPs like James Bazan. Mm-hmm. And you had some of his strongest detractors like uh, Ted Falk also in Manitoba and mm-hmm. she was able to get along with all of them. Now, if we, if we dial it back a little bit, um, do, do you think the party shot themselves in the foot by placing Rona Ambrose into the position of interim leader because like, she couldn't become leader after that? And I, I, I only ask that because uh, a great number of, of uh, friends and colleagues of mine who are, are somewhere on the fence about some are, sometimes they're conservative, sometimes they're liberal, and then I have staunch conservative friends who are all like, they made a mistake and here's why because she could have been the next leader and she could have become prime minister and i'm like you know what i i i think she had a really good shot at that if if she had been you know been able to run for the position but once you're interim leader that's it you can't run for that position and and i say this because again she is a friend of mine i do know her uh and i know she's a very level-handed level-headed individual and mm-hmm. and she had a, she had respect from a lot of people in liberal and and mm-hmm. NDP circles, right? So do, do you think the party shot themselves in the foot by not by putting her in a, in a position where she could not become the leader? I don't think so. And okay. the the reason I say this is one of it is it's a little bit paradoxical. Mm-hmm. You know, before Rana became the interim leader of conservatives after uh, Stephen Harper lost in 2015. Uh, she was known as uh, just a competent minister. Mm-hmm. You know, Harper, Harper moved her around to different, mm-hmm. a lot of different portfolios and she, she did a good job with each of them, but she was, she never had a large profile. Um, yeah. And it, you know, from what I remember, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the candidates who ran in 2017 and afterwards spent a lot of their time as minister getting out there doing the fundraising circuit on behalf of the party when we were, when the conservatives were in government and, and building a team that way. Mm. I, I don't recall uh, Rana having done that nearly as much, which just showed that she, she, she clearly wasn't thinking about succeeding Stephen Harper right from the get go. Uh, and the other part of this paradox is, is she's so well regarded because of the job she did as interim leader. Yes. If she, if she was not in that position and she chose to go the path of, no, I'm, I'm not going to be interim leader. I'm going to 
seek the permanent leadership in the 2017 leadership race, which took two years, uh, we don't know how that would have played out. Right. We don't know how she would have how she would have done. Uh, knowing her views, uh, you know, she would have uh, definitely been more on the progressive side. And if you look at it, I mean, Michael Chong uh, came came forth from that race, and I was happy to support him. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the guys who placed even higher were, uh, you know, it, it was Andrew Shear and um, and Maxine Bernier at the end, and I, I, I don't mm-hmm. see how how uh, she would have had her, her moment to shine uh, knowing those, uh, those dynamics that play that. You know what? Thank you for your input because it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not something I've had expressed to me before in the past. I've, I've had, you know, different pundits, if you will say different things, Mm -hmm. but, but you're giving me a a viewpoint and opinion that I've never had the opportunity to hear before. So thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Um, External to caucus, is there someone, like I said, they were talking about Josh Ray or Tasha Carradine. Mm-hmm. There's also a guy, never was never able to quite grasp his name, a, a businessman from Quebec as well. His name has been floating around. But is there, I don't know, is the, or a blast from the past, a, a James Moore or something like that? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let's go from uh, the gentleman in Quebec. I think his name is Vincenzo Guzzo that you're thinking yes. of. That's it. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Gozo, uh, I think, uh, runs a chain of uh, theaters in Quebec. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, it's Gozo. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And uh-huh. he, uh, he, 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 he did uh, contemplate throwing his hat in the ring last time in the 2020 race. And uh, I know a lot of grassroots activists who, who are supportive of him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think uh, one uh, I don't know much about him other than other than what's been conveyed here, mm-hmm. and I I would like the opportunity to to see someone like him put himself forward just so we can all look at more choices. Mm-hmm. I think the more choices the better. Uh, and let's go to Ontario now. Um, so working our way uh, westwards, uh, we, we've heard the media talk about uh, Patrick Brown, who's a former uh, Conservative MP. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, did a stint as Ontario PC leader, uh, and uh, is now mayor of Brampton. Okay, I think I think uh, Mr. Brown is is a unique uh, is a unique offering in that uh, the Conservatives' path to victory runs through the nine hundred five, mm, and yes. he's clearly a popular. Uh, leader in in the 905 and would bring a uh, you know would bring a competitive advantage in that regard. And I believe I had read that he has very 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 good relationships with the Indo Canadian community. Yeah, he does uh, exactly. That's his popularity in, in Brampton. I, I and, and truth be told, I I like him. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think uh, I think he's a uh, a good politician, and I think he's actually. Uh, fairly decent human being. I don't know the man personally, but uh, I've not heard any bad things about him in lurid detail. Um, that, look, I've got dirt on a lot of politicians on the hill, off the hill, retired. Uh, don't ask how I get it. I'm not going to share it, and I'm not going to spill it. But I have a lot of dirt. <laughs> um, we'll leave it at that, okay? We'll leave it at that. But... Uh, um, I, I I don't have anything on him. 
I've not heard bad things about the man. I mean, there was that, that, that uh, uh, thing that happened a few years ago, which turned out to be completely fabricated. So, Exactly. Right? Exactly. Hmm. He sexually assaulted me in the second floor in the bedroom. The house only has one floor. No, exactly. <laughs> it never happened. Uh, so, yes, uh, Patrick Brown, I, I think, would be a very uh, good offering as well. Uh, we then have, uh, and this is a current member of caucus, but I think uh, Marilyn Gladue, mm-hmm. who who ran in 2020 as well, mm-hmm. I think uh, will will learn to uh, focus on fundraising to to meet the uh, the hurdles uh, that may be set. And I think that uh, you know there's going to be a lot of options in Ontario. I depending on the timeline of this race, I. I hear the rumors of, of Doug Ford, <laughs> but yeah. I also do believe that Doug Ford just wants to get past the Ontario uh, provincial election in, in June. Mm-hmm. So if this were a longer race, uh, maybe dragging out into next year, uh, which I, I don't think will happen. Uh, you could see, you could see Doug Ford. If he uh, you know, wins a resounding victory in Ontario again. I, I don't, I don't, think that's going to happen with his inactivity in the last uh, two weeks with what's been going on here in Ottawa. Uh, uh, between now and June is still a very long time. True. And there's, True. A, and there's a lot of things that he can do, but uh, uh, completely understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think, rounds up the... Oh, actually, there are a couple other uh, names I've heard outside of caucus um, from the uh, Mulroney dynasty. Uh, Mark Mulroney. Hmm. Okay. Uh, again, I don't know much about him other than he does work on Bay Street and, uh, you know, obviously uh, is competent and, uh, uh, you know, brings uh, that Mulrooney branding of uh, conservatism to the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he would be a little bit more um, center right than far right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh uh, yeah, I, I certainly think so. Um, you know, in the vein of his, uh, in the vein of his sister as well, mm-hmm. uh, Carola Mulrooney, uh, definitely much more in the, uh, in the old school progressive conservative yes. camp. Yes, uh, but and and you know, uh, how many times have people come to Ben Mulrooney and said, "You should run." You should, he's like, "Nope, he he wants nothing to do with politics." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, talking about that, uh, given. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear there are some splits. I mean, you don't have a leader go out 73, 45. I mean, that's 45 is still a big chunk. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there there are some splits. Um, you know, and like you said, Pierre, Pierre Polliver, um is is out front and, you know, playing, putting out what seems like a power play, you know, already declaring mm-hmm. himself running for prime minister as if he's already won and announcing he's got like the open support of 10, but you but know, you, but you don't and run for prime even minister. announce the criteria, right. Which, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, whatever the bar is going to be, I'm going to meet it. So uh, do you uh, favor considering that there's a split, uh, a shorter campaign, uh, which would sort of, I guess somehow maybe preserve party unity because there doesn't have time for a lot of fighting or one that's one that's a little longer. And do you prefer that the bar be set somewhat low to have a greater variety of candidates or higher to make it just a smaller, more controllable bunch? So 
I think first of all, the timing one is easier to answer. Uh, there is there is a provincial election in Ontario in June. There's a uh, Quebec provincial election, uh, I believe, sometime mm-hmm. in October. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, that seems to be the the big uh, legislative calendar this year. Yes. Uh, I think some sometime in the early fall or late summer, however you want to characterize it, I think sometime in uh, in September would be the sweet spot. Okay. Uh, it allows for the barbecue circuit where, uh, you know, that's just positive for members. I'm sure people will love to Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to get out there and have barbecues again to, to meet, um, potential candidates Mm -hmm. from coast to coast to coast. And, uh, you know, it allows some time for some, from some membership signups and also just the ability to say, okay, well, you know, we are still in a minority government, uh, you know, the government could fall at any time to, to give that leader a chance to to rally behind. There's a, another, this is a very politically nerdy thing to discuss, but uh, there is the matter of actual po- political operations that all the parties have to deal with in the next year, and that is mm-hmm. redistribution. Yes, yes. And I cannot imagine, uh, uh, I cannot imagine any party wanting to, to, to uh, distract themselves with something else like a leadership race when mm. redistribution is happening. That's true. Yeah. Cause we had the census, right? Exactly. So yeah, redistribution is coming. Oh, exactly. About that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's, uh, th- that points to all signs of this race uh, ending sometime in, in this fall of 2022. Okay. In terms of how the race should go. Look, I, I think uh, the more voices, the better it makes for a more exciting race. It makes for, uh, and, and again, this rare, rare, rare opportunity to actually have a discourse about what the Conservative Party believes in mm. and, uh, and and what the future of this country looks like. The more voices, the better. However, having 20 people up on stage in a all-candidates discussion <laughs> forum is not, uh, is not palatable to anybody. No, it's, it's, it's not palatable and it's not sensible. And I think more than anything else, it's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's, and it's ridiculous. from what I've heard uh, from, from national counselors who will be comprising, uh, well, n- not that the names are set, but uh, uh, it is hard-coded into the leadership election organizing committee that there will be national counselors on to maybe have some sort of rounds of, uh, of qualification. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm whether it's fundraising targets or signatures, uh, something, some, some metric that tells you, okay, you're in the race, but you know, between now and actual election day, you need to keep yourself uh, in that race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that I think would just be healthy. Uh, you know, and it would certainly uh, strike the balance of having more participation, but also less confusion for voters. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, the other question I had, and th- this one may be trickier. I don't know. You go as far as you want with it. Um, also, given the split, uh, speaking from my perspective again, as I, I stretch from center right to center left, I'm pretty much a radical centrist. Um, I'm watching uh, 
the Maverick Party go because Mr. Marilich was associated with this. So I'm seeing a conservative-minded separatist party that wants to break up my country, and I'm not very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Our, I see country. That, <laughs> Our I see country. Our country. Sorry, PPC. but... <laughs> I see the PPC, which has a very Q quality to it, and that scares me. Mm-hmm. And I am seeing the former Progressive Conservative Party of Canada, now the Conservative Party of Canada with interim leader Candace Bergen, who someone leaked a message saying that she said that the convoy should stay so we should make it the Prime Minister's problem rather than locking arms against an occupation. And Pierre Poiliev, who very much plays the populist and is not necessarily no I he's loose with the truth let's say <laughs> um, uh, I just see the party taking another a party that took a step to the right from the center right taking another step to the right um, and if the liberals can arguably be considered the Naturally, natural governing party. The <laughs> conservatives is the natural government and waiting party. And I'm not sure. I know that the first two parties that we spoke of, I cannot leave unsupervised alone in a room with a pack of matches. Oh, <laughs> no. The progressive conservative party of Canada with Mulroney and Clark and Charay and whatnot. I could. Yeah, no problem. No question. Just yeah, with we're good. Stephen Harper. I really didn't like what was happening, but I still knew that the sun would rise tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and there were enough people in the party to sort of, whoa, dude, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, there were certain things that are happening now that would not happen if Stephen Harper were still the leader. Yeah. <laughs> and, agreed. Yes. And, and, which I never thought I would hear myself saying. <laughs> that, <laughs> not that I want him to come back, but I'm just, you know, when Rhonda said the bad man's gone, I, I believed her. Uh, but I, uh, this worries me. I, I do not want to see a future where it becomes normalized that one of the three conservative options that Canadians have to choose from are all so far right that we can't leave them unsupervised with a pack of matches. And given it's 73 to 45, is there a progressive conservative, like, is there a possibility for a progressive conservative candidate to come? Is there a battle for the soul of the party? Or do you even foresee if someone like Pierre Poliev or someone maybe more ideologically to the right wins that there's a split in the party again, 1993 ish where somebody, I just see that there's an up with Alain Reyes saying that he is stepping mm-hmm. aside to make room for a candidate who's progressive, who's probably not Poliev because he didn't say he was going to campaign organize for him. It just seems that someone setting the stage for a big name to come in on that side and a name that could possibly bring 45 MPs and the few of the 73 that were probably for a narrow tool, but voted against him because of the way he handled it in the last few days and talked to them because I'm sorry, you're either with me or you're with the conversion therapists, even though I'm not with the conversion therapists is still a big stretch to go. Um, I it, it and with Aaron O'Toole's departure speech at the end, which seemed like he was 
running mm-hmm. a leadership race again yeah, for weird. the new sure. progressive conservative party of Canada. I'm just, I'm watching these things and there's like, there's part of me that's that, that, that sees a situation. It's like, yeah, if they vote the wrong, we're going to stay with the party for now. And we're going to say, we're going to throw our support behind the next leader. But if the next leader is someone that was, you know, and a step to the right, you know, mm-hmm. we're out of here. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm getting that feeling. And I don't I know think, that too. Um, I think the polarization in politics is, is what you're talking about. And that's just bad overall. Uh, it's not healthy for society. Agreed. It's, it's not, not it's, it's less, even less healthy in politics. Uh, I, I have faith that one, what was demonstrated by the reform act is that, uh, MPs, uh, can hold their leader to account at any point. Mm-hmm. And uh, since this will carry through uh, in uh, you know in this whole parliament, so a new leader, presuming they're elected uh, for the next election, um, will face that uh, accountability measure too. So it really it, it it goes to caucus to to be the conscience of the Conservative Party mm-hmm. uh, if the leader is not acting in a conscionable way. So uh, I I don't fear things uh, going down the path where the conservative party can no longer be trusted to, to act in the best interests of, of the country uh, in terms of, are there going to be more extreme candidates than Pierre Polyev or others? Uh, I'm sure that I'm sure there are those who would consider it. And again, that's a subjective uh, term too. I, I think by going to any extreme, whether it's a very, very progressive conservative or, uh, you know, a Canadian Donald Trump mm. will result in more fractures in the party. And uh, you, you could certainly see uh, caucus members who are unhappy, maybe venting their frustrations by saying, nope, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to form my own party or, or across the floor. Uh, I think those those are all distinct possibilities if uh, the leadership race goes too much to one extreme or the other. I I think, and now this this part I don't blame Mister O'Toole for doing. Uh, the fallacy was in the way he in which he did it, which is mm-hmm. not by tr- being true to himself and and as a result lying to uh, lying to the members mm-hmm. and his caucus. If somebody wins in this leadership race as I am going to be a, you know, a a voice of reason, a moderate and wins and they hold true to themselves and demonstrate continued leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, That's the best. That's the best answer. I also see I'm confident with that because I'm even starting to see, for example, you know, Pierre Polyev's uh, Pierre Polyev is known for being very, very belligerent regarding the economy. But if you look at his, his launch video and messaging so far, it's taking a less extreme tone. Except for the whole, I'm running for prime minister. Because that's uh, not really a I, I thing. Think, <laughs> I think uh, I think being presumptuous and, and uh, you know you, you know in that way playing one up is very different than being an extremist. It's well, also it, a bit on ground, though. But 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 I mean it, it's yes yes but but um, nobody runs for prime minister in this country. We don't elect a prime minister. We elect a uh, parliament. 
I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I don't think it was the best thing to do, but uh, I, I also, I also don't think that speaks to him being ex- an extremist. Or, no, but I think dishonest. Uh, rather disingenuous. I think it's it's just uh, it's a form of branding, and uh, frankly, the rest of that branding in that launch video was very very soft. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can see that compared to what we normally see when he's doing his Rick Mercer sort of streeter thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna, this is this definitely much more soft. Yes. Much more soft. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, I still, exactly. I, I still, I, I'm still fundamentally upset at him saying I'm running for prime minister, though. That, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Bert, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. Yes, sir. Uh, and for thank you for the insights. And uh, it's it's just nice to talk politics with someone you know who has an insight that we don't have insight like yeah like how it's really working behind the scenes so you you know you're not just getting the regular lines but you know this the that po- politics is first about people right and how they interrelate and how they interact and and all that kind of stuff and it's you know it's it's just nice to see the more human side what what goes on and uh so uh we we appreciate that and we we love your thoughts we do we absolutely do and and please feel free to come back whenever you want because uh I don't think we're that far apart on, on most issues. Please, if you know, if you think I'm wrong, say so. But I, I think we're probably more close. We're the happy close. medium of, of uh, Canadian politics. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if only the parties would uh, would act more more uh, commensurate with us, right? Yes. 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 Please. Yes. That's all we want. Um, listen, uh, if you have. Any, any views on anything along the leadership race to whatnot, just send us a message. Uh, we'd love to chat with you. And if in the course of your work, you come across some uh, great ideas or great developments mm-hmm. in terms of uh, clean technology, we want to hear about that too. Of course. Thank you. You have a home here. You do. We're among friends. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for having me. Thanks for coming in, brother. We really do appreciate your time. You've been very generous with us and thank you. Just like, thank you. And, and we're very happy that you've landed well because I'm sorry, but it's like just, mm. I mean, th- that thing with, with uh, when we found out, I think it was about like two days after we had, we had interviewed that we found mm. out and we were just yeah. like, oh my God, he's trying to end him. Yeah, we were, we, we, were, just, we were upset. We were, we were just, yeah. So, you know what? You're the one, he's gone and you stay. So there, that's all I Thanks. can say. You did it well. You, I, I admire your class and your poise. So, Kits, that was uh, Bert Chen, unfortunately former uh, Conservative Party of Canada National Council member, because I think that they could actually use more people like Bert. On My goodness, council. yes. There. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, uh, did you get something in the mail lately? Yes, um, Miss V Mysteries. I yeah, little... I did too. Awesome bedside reading. Yes. Um, for those who don't know, the Miss V Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is sixty, trans, and classy, sassy, and a bit smartassy. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. 
when her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, she is immediately arrested. Can she find the real killer before the local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll for jailhouse blues? Do prisons even have a happy hour? Well, none of the ones I've been in. Wait, what? What? There's a story there. No. We'll talk about that after the ad. Miss V and the Letras Lawyer is the first book in a humorous, cozy mystery series from by Ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever ebooks are sold. Paperback copies are also available or call your local library and ask them to get it in. Signed copies available at www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing, all in one word, .com. The Miss V Mysteries. You need to be reading it. Well, kids, that's the end of this special episode of the Eager Beaver Podcast. We hope you loved listening to us because we loved making this for you. If you really like this podcast, you can find us on Google, Apple, Player FM, Stitcher, Deezer, and Spotify, but don't listen to us on Spotify. And tell your friends. Of course, retweets, shares, gentle corrections, constructive criticism, compliments, requests, and positive reviews are always welcome. And finally, if you really, really, really like this podcast and wish to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. Please feel free to buy a cup of coffee for Mr. Grizzly here or perhaps mm. a scotch this week. Or whiskey. <laughs> we, we've had some stressful times here in the nation's capital, so uh, <laughs> a, a, a log of woolen would be nice. <laughs> and I'll stick to my mug of hot chocolate <laughs> via our coffee page at ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver, all in one word, lowercase letters. That's ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there, so be kind to and gentle with yourself. Some words of wisdom, Mr. Grizzly? Well, uh, yeah, I do have a couple of things to say, and I'll try and be as brief as possible. We have been going through some really tough times in the nation's capital, but not just Ottawa. It's happening in Alberta. It's happening in Windsor. It's, uh, I think they tried to do something in Nova Scotia. Radicals are trying to do terrible things. I'm not going to get into that. Here's what I have to say. Take care of the members of your community. Check in on them. Reach out to them. Remember the neighborhood you're living in is the one that will support you. Mm. So please support your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You don't, it, it, look, it doesn't, it, it's, sometimes it's money. But in times like this, it's not money. It's, it's not money, and money won't make a difference. What you need to do is reach out to your friends and neighbors in your neighborhood and say, hey, are you okay? Do you need some support? <laughs> do you need a hug? Do you need somebody to talk to? Do you want to vent to me? Do you need an escort to the grocery store so that some rambunctious individual doesn't attack you? Because that's what we're living in, in Ottawa right now. So reach out to your friends and neighbors and ask them if they need anything. And if they do, give it. Give it freely. Give it honestly. (laughs) And do it because you know it's the right thing to do. I have nothing more to add. 
The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver, Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research, story, and guest curation, and copy written by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Artwork courtesy of Pete Jarvis. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Pepper Master, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvin Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. And a special thank you to our guest this week, Bert Chen, uh, for, again, just being generous with this time, a overall great guy and a source of great insight. Indeed. We'll see you soon, kids. <laughs>